Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Woo! Welcome back. This music gets me going, Sean. You guys are listening to episode 009 of We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today, I'm joined by your co-host and our medical expert, Dr. Terry Sellers. We got the best producer this side of the Mississippi, Sean Denovan. Uh, yeah, careful there, buddy. Careful there. Maybe maybe this, this side of the Virgin River. But Mississippi's pushing it, man. I'm the host. I'll decide. And of course, we have your featured guest for today's special 9-11 tribute. The Navy vet, the Army vet, the proud owner of Beacon Recovery, Tony Poole. Today's, this podcast was recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 009 is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. Listen, if your loved one needs help, give them a call. 801-800-8142. Dr. Terry Sellers. Can you remember, can you remember where you were and what was going on 19 years ago on September 11th when you heard that the Twin Towers had been hit? Yeah, well, for sure I do, right? Um, I was in my bedroom getting ready to go to my office. We had a, I mean, this memory is pretty clear to me. We had a little TV mounted not a tiny TV, but a TV mounted over the entrance from our bedroom into our bathroom, into the master bath. And I remember looking up and seeing smoke coming out of the Twin Towers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember that quite vividly. Through the TV, right? Like you weren't in New York. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> Through the TV. <laughs> yeah, no, I was not in New York. I was in my bedroom in, in Orem, Utah, getting ready to go deliver a baby. Gotcha. How about you, uh, our featured guest, Tony Poole, man? Thank you for coming. Hey, I'm, I'm honored to be here and grateful. Listen, it's, not, it's very rare that you can find somebody that is perfect for a 9-11 tribute. I mean, you are a Navy vet, Army vet. You've, you've dabbled in some substance abuse yourself, and you have your own story, which we're going to get to. Yeah. So you are a home run for us. Where were you? Uh, <laughs> wait, before you, before you get to that part, the where were you, can I point out that uh, we had another guest scheduled, and Tony substituted at the last minute. And man, we are so grateful that he was able to come down from Brigham City. I mean, that's a drive, right? Logan. All the way from Brigham City on like last minute notice. And uh, we're glad Tony's here. He's got a wonderful story, first of all, but second of all, just how he jumped in at the last minute and kind of saved us today so we're grateful for that tony now to the question that jared's going to ask you and just real quick i want to give a shout out to john taylor with hunts for the brave he was supposed to come on he got real sick he ended up in the hospital uh i heard from his wife uh possibly had an infection so my prayers and thoughts yeah. are with him hope he gets feeling better tony pool thanks for where were you on september 11th 19 years ago i was driving on a business trip from dallas texas dallas texas to san antonio and um, the phone got lit up. It was on every radio station and, you know, speculating as to, you know, what exactly had happened. It was, um, um, it was, it was a surreal moment as it was for, I'm sure everybody that, uh, you know, we all remember if you say, where was I? Everybody right. knows exactly where they were at that time. 
So you first heard it on yeah. the radio. Uh, one of my uh, one of my partners called me. Hey, did you hear? Turn your radio on. Oh wow! And yeah, I did, and I couldn't get a radio station that wasn't talking about it. Obviously. Yeah. 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 Sean Denovan, where were you 19 years ago? I was watching HBO. Uh, Old brother, where art thou? Old brother, where art thou? The only, only television George station Clooney. that had no coverage. Really? I woke up. I've been watching <laughs> HBO the night before, so I turned on my computer and uh, turned on the TV. So I was, I've been watching George Clooney for about an hour. With I'm yeah. like, oh, it looks like there's uh, the Yahoo homepage says something happened in New York. Eh. And then I finished watching the movie. And after an hour, started flipping through the channels, and it was like every other channel had something going on yeah. except HBO. So you're like, maybe I should pay attention to this. I mean, it's on every channel. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. think? <laughs> yeah. Something's yeah. important happening. I'm not sure. Yeah. 19 years later, we can make a little bit lightheartedness of it. And there's been some amazing things that have happened since then. I think it would be appropriate for all of us to take a moment of silence to remember the, the 3,000 people, just about 3,000 people that were initially hit when the towers fell. Well, what about the first responders? Those, oh, great. Those men and women, I mean, they stepped in and they sucked yeah, up all that asbestos and they're still dying to this day. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. So great point. do we know ballpark around how many total deaths? Too much. I, 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 last time, I don't know, Terry, you might know, I'm, was it close to five or 6,000 total? It's a ton. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah, too much is the absolute correct answer. Yeah. Yeah. For that sure. moment of silence starts now. Thank you, guys. We appreciate that. Tony Poole. Yo. All right, buddy. Listen, first, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, family, a little bit of background. Um, born in Southern California, raised in the panhandle of Texas. Um, you know, we're talking about addiction. You know, my father was, uh, you know, an alcoholic. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I lived that life. Um, you know, decided at the age of 17, I'm going to, you know, get the heck out of here, <laughs> you know, I right. uh, joined the Navy. Okay. Um, uh, my mom had to sign a waiver to let me do it at the age of 17. And, um, you know, did some time in the Navy, uh, was a mechanic. Did you know pretty early on that you wanted to go the military route? Like, was there something missing in your home life that maybe attracted you to that? Or was it just, I want to get out of where I'm living. Tell us a little bit about the why behind the military. I want to go. Okay. I want to go. Elaborate. I, just, I, I um, uh, I want to go and, and see the world. Okay. You know, I couldn't afford to get on a plane and go see the world that way. So I decided to do it on the Navy's dime and, uh, you know, learned a lot at the age of 17 with these salty dogs out there. Um, learned a lot about, uh, life the hard way. And back then the Navy was different than it is now. Um, you didn't, uh, you didn't, you didn't do certain things. You didn't, you didn't mouth off. You did what you were told and you did it with, with the right attitude or you were told quickly and learned quickly that, uh, you don't do it this way. So, you very know, very disciplined. Uh, well, you're supposed to be. Yeah. Very strict. But sounds like I had come out of a really volatile childhood. And so, you know, I was going out drinking with the guys, you know, I can remember, you know, every morning we'd go to muster. That's where you stand at attention and they go over the day's activities. I'm dying. Right. Dying. Okay. Cause I'm hung over. Like there's no tomorrow. 
right? Yeah. Um, thinking I can't wait to hit my rack at the end of this day. Then breakfast comes and lunch comes. I'm feeling a little bit better and six o'clock or four o'clock in the after 1600, I'm like, let's go do it again. I do that for two or three days in a row. You know, does that make me an alcoholic? I don't know, but I sure did have a dependence on alcohol and paid a stiff price, right? Um, it took its toll. I you bet. Know? I bet yeah. it did. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that Navy life. You, you wake up, kind of give us a walkthrough of what that looks like. What, what are some of the cool ports that you guys entered into? I realized that, right, yeah, your story does have yeah. alcohol in it. Yeah. And this is a podcast about addiction, yeah. you know, and, and recovery from that. Let's get a basis for, to understand what, what uh, the Navy life looked like for you. The Navy life was just, it was, um, you know, depending on if you're on the East Coast or the West Coast. West Coast Navy is, you know, I... I was on the love boat. My ship is called, it was the, the Norton Sound for any Norton Sounders out there. I mean, we had men and women on the ship and it was, we didn't do much. Uh, we decommissioned that ship in reference to, we didn't do much in reference to time out to sea. Okay. Uh, my real naval career started when I was on the, on the East coast and we were haze gray and underway. Um, you know, that's the term you're out to sea and it was a warship and, uh, you know, working, you know, 20 hour days, literally working 20 hour days. It was, uh, it's a tough life that actually that ship caused me to say, I don't want to do this anymore. So uh, I tried to be, uh, did all kinds of courses to be a, a corpsman in the Navy and they said no. So I got out of the Navy and 12 days later, I reenlisted in the army as a medic. And, gotcha. uh, yeah, uh, the army was much better than the Navy, much better. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe that had a little bit to do wow. with, with the drinking, right? If, if I'm working 20 hours a day, uh, miserable, not really loving uh, what I'm doing. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about behind that. What, where did that come from? What the, the, the urge to drink? Yeah, because we've all talked about it and I think we're all in agreement that substance abuse is the end product of some type of mental health Oh, I was definitely, uh, oh, dude, listen, I was running. I was, I was, um, I was running for me, uh, for some strange reason. I felt responsible for the, you know, um, not so, uh, wonderful life I had as a child, right? I was running. Um, and in a large part, that's probably why I joined the military. And, but then there's a large part of me. I, I love serving. I love, yeah. you know, um, uh, making those around me feel good, uh, wanting people to be happy. Um, but what I had missed and what I, what I missed pretty much for the better part of my adult life is making me happy. And that was the key, you know? Um, and so, you know, the drinking in the Navy, um, I don't know if it was pretty much a product of, uh, you know, not like in the Navy life, but not so much, not like in me. Got you. Yeah. Is it a very common thing? I, I mean, I know I have a buddy that joined the Navy and he tells me about it. Is it a very common thing when you go to port, everybody gets off, right? The first place they hit is the... The places where they can, you know, get a, uh, a wet drink is what he referred to it as. Is uh, that a common thing? Very. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's a very common thing. And, um, you know, I can tell you, I, I don't remember many nights uh, how I managed to make my way back uh, to the ship. Wow. Yeah. I mean, literally, let me think, how did I get back? And you get little snippets of what you do and don't remember. It's uh, pathetic, actually, but. Kind of scary. No. It's very scary. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could tell you some stories, but I don't think they're probably. Yeah. We try to refrain from, <laughs> yeah. from the war story and drug yeah, journaling. Yeah. 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 Dr. Sowers, let's loop you in. Do you have any questions, uh, as far as like his military or his, his young life, he shared that he went through some, you know, some violence and stuff. 
Uh, you know, I not really questions per se, but a couple of quick. Oh my gosh, my battery on my computer's running low. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> sorry, Harry just an observation about, um, you know, that's that's just a part of the lifestyle of the Navy. But if you think about it, it's part of the American lifestyle, too, right? I mean, the 4th of July is no longer a celebration of the independence of this country. It's more a time to get together and drink a whole bunch of beer. Man, great point. And yeah. I mean, that, that that's what our holidays have become is just excuses to drink beer. I remember in medical school, they invited me to a party. And at this point, I wasn't using drugs or drinking or anything. And they invited me to a kegger, right? And so I said, you know, I'm not really all that interested. And what they wanted is a guy to drive him home and get him home safely. <laughs> but but they kept saying, well, it's not all about the beer. And I said, well, if the beer's not there, are you guys going to the party? Well, no. Right? I mean, that's what – that's part of America, the American lifestyle. And until we get some handle on that, we're going to continue to have massive problems in this country with addiction. Yeah, great you know, point. I, I think t Tony points out a good point is that, I mean, that's just that's just what everybody did in the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. And to, you're right. In society, a lot of people do that. They Friday rolls around and it's time to get out it's and get weekend. on the town. Yeah. 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 Sadly, though, you can recognize you already mentioned that you transitioned into the Army. Yeah. And you can recognize it went from, you know, drinking maybe on occasion, maybe when you went to port a couple nights throughout the week as you're standing in roll call line to... Uh, to a darker place and a heavier place. Well, in the army, you know, in the Navy, I was an engine room mechanic. Okay. So, you know, I can remember, I don't know if I'm dropping a hit of acid, me and everybody in the engine room, were all doing acid. Oh, wow. Right. Except for one guy who's in charge of the entire engine room. Not a big deal because, well, and it was a big deal, but it really wasn't because I wasn't working with human lives, even though we probably could have wrecked the ship. Who knows? But in the army, I worked the emergency room. Okay. Okay. Now we're, we're dealing with human life. I'm, I'm working the emergency room and we're doing what we can to save lives. I'm going to work drunk. What? On a regular basis? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what? Right. <laughs> then one of the nurses smells alcohol in my breath and she says, listen, I like you. You're good at this. If I ever smell alcohol in your breath again, you're done. And we're, her. oh yeah, absolutely. Whoa. Oh yeah. And, but when she, she pulled me off to the side and she, her and I were very good friends Yeah, and she cared about me, um, you know, and, and I cared about her. We were, we were not just coworkers, we were friends. And she said, Tony, you've got people's lives in your hands. You could kill somebody. Yeah. Right. And it was boom, you know, wow. And I never forgot that conversation. To this day, I know where I was. You remember, you said, well, where were you on 9-11? I remember when I was and where I was, and I remember the emotion that went through me, and that's when that's when the shift, that's when it started. Okay, you gotta, you gotta check yourself, bud, because if you don't, you're gonna kill yourself, or more importantly, you might kill someone else, and that's what it did it. I'm in, I'm in the service world, right? Yeah. I want, I, I, and that's, that flies, that's a complete opposite of, of, of what I'm here for. Yeah, and good for good for that nurse to be able to recognize that. And I always say, like, look, if, if you're working with somebody, if if you have a loved one, somebody that you're close to, yeah, and you recognize that they have a problem, right? If you were walking along and you saw somebody sinking in quicksand, 
you wouldn't just be like, well, good luck with Have that. Have a nice day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Throw him a lifeline, pull him aside like, like she did to you and, yeah. and let him know, Hey, there's a, uh, there's a better way to live this life. Yeah. You don't have to do the same. You don't have to come to work loaded, working in an emergency yeah. room where you could directly impact people's lives. Well, you hit, you hit on a real, a real powerful point. And you know, I was guilty of this and all of us are what I'm going through, what I'm going through. I'm the only person going through this. It's unique to me. And that is true. But the difference is don't be afraid to share your story. Don't yeah. be afraid to, to go to somebody and say, hey, you know what, I've experienced, like I'm doing now, when, when Terry called yesterday morning, I mean, I've got a full schedule. I'm running Beacon Recovery, right? Mm -hmm. Believe me, I shifted some things around because I got the opportunity to share my story in the hopes that if somebody might hear what I have to say and might say, you know what, wow, I can relate to that. Absolutely. Right? And, and, if, and if, if by sharing my story, I can, I, can, I can influence someone in some way to make a different choice that way they can have different outcomes because that's what this is about choices and outcomes. If I'm happy with my outcomes, I continue to make, I continue to make those choices. If I want a different outcome, I have to make different choices. And that's the difference between addiction in my opinion and non-addiction, right? Um, because I don't believe people uh, stay addicted. I don't, I think we can get over those addictions and therefore they're not addictions. They're in our past, right? That's just me personally. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, where's the, the wind? It's windy in this studio, Sean. Oh, that's uh, that's just Mr. Sellers breathing very heavily into his new oh, microphone. Okay, nice. You're you're feeling that mic, Doctor Sellers, aren't you? This podcast is going to cost you two dollars a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hey, I briefly disconnected because right as I went to plug my power cable in, it shut off. Like right as I was plugging it in, so I'm back. Terry, I'll we missed to, you. I'll try to stop. We're glad you're back, Terry. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. And, and really the reason why we do this podcast, the way we do it, part one, we've kind of shifted. So come on, let the listeners relate to you. If there's somebody out there that's struggling with the, the disease of addiction and we know alcohol is one of those, right? Absolutely. Then you can listen to Tony Poole's story, identify with it. And then in part two, we transition into what did your recovery look like? And what does your life today look like to really bring that hope yeah. to really drive home the name of the podcast? We do recover and bring some good examples of some people that have some time. And we're going to get some people on here that, that are new in recovery too, yeah. to, to talk about the th things that they're going through. And, and the biggest reason is to help people give them hope and let them relate and give them some motivation. Oh, see, to there's the movement right forward. there, brother. Hope. Yeah. That, oh my gosh. I love hope. H hold O on P pain E ends. Dude. Hold on pain ends. I love that. Right? Yeah. I got a t-shirt that I made that says that. Yeah. I want one. <laughs> yeah, but that is such a hope without hope. Well, who, who, we, we are not, we are, we are nothing. If I don't have hope and a better tomorrow and there is a better tomorrow, there is. Yeah. Right. Each day is better than the last. Right. Yeah. There's a hope. Absolutely. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what's going on up in Northern Utah, your neck of the woods. Cause we're down here in Southern Utah for you listeners. Uh, this podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah, but up in Northern Utah, you're like the Logan Brid Brigham city area. So I live in Logan and, and Beacon recovery is in a Brigham city. Um, I had a tree blow over on my house two nights ago. Oh wow. Yeah. The, like hundred mile an hour. Oh, it was brutal. I thought I was going to be like Dorothy and wizard of Oz. I thought my house was going to blow away. I'm surprised you didn't get PTSD from the wind that we just had in the studio. AKA <laughs> Terry's mic. Stop yourself. Nah. It brought Stop back yourself. memories. Yeah. 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 No, but yeah, I mean, it's a little colder up there, right? 
Yeah. You were talking about this earlier. St. George is beautiful, but my gosh, you know. I was wondering, do you guys do a lot of community stuff? Like I know down here last week uh, for episode 008, we had on Taz Decker and I played on his sober softball team. We do a lot of community stuff. In fact, Hooked on Life is they're a non-for-profit, non-profit organization that's raising money to help get people into recovery. And up in Cedar City, actually, um, this, this Friday and Saturday, they're having a softball tournament to raise money. So those of you down here in Southern Utah, definitely get a part of that, become a part of that. Check them out on their Facebook page, Hooked on Life. Do you guys have any programs up there in Northern Utah or any type of stuff for sober, you know, recovery life? Yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff that's taking place up there. Beacon Recovery is relatively new. So, I mean, I opened in January, closed for COVID a couple months uh, after that and stayed closed for a couple months. So I'm relatively new Beacon Recovery. We are fresh out of the gate, but there's all kinds. Sober, there's softball leagues. Um, there's uh, obviously up at Beacon Recovery, we're going to be doing, uh, we are doing NA and AA meetings out of our facility, Yeah, um, which is a great service to the community. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of things that uh, that, that take place. I just haven't delved into those yet because I'm, you know, struggling to, not struggling, but uh, working on, you know, getting things back to normal after COVID. Yeah, that's a great point. And your guys' uh, program that you do is primarily outpatient? Yeah, so there's uh, levels of care. When somebody uh, has an addiction, the first thing we do is we do an assessment. And uh, Terry's involved with that. Uh, Terry's my medical director. That's why I'm here. Um, but, uh, you know, we do an assessment. Based on that assessment, they will either go to, uh, you know, if it's severe, they'll go to detox. And then from there, they go to residential. That's the next level of care. And then from there, they go to PHP and IOP which is an outpatient, which is what, what I what I offer. It's a PHP, IOP, and then there's general after that. So people come in, they don't stay the night. Uh, they come, they get treatment during the day, and then they go home, you know? Yeah. And then, but you know, one of the things that we're doing at, at Beacon Recovery that is, uh, and Terry, you can you can jump in on this, it is, it's very rare in my opinion, is we have a lifetime aftercare program. Oh, wow. Each uh, patient that comes to Beacon Recovery they pick three mentors. They pick the mentors. I don't. It's somebody that they know, love, and or trust. When you Those, say they, you're talking about the clients. Yeah, the, the patient. I don't refer to them as clients. They're, okay. They, I refer to them as patients. They're, you know, um, clients seem so, you know, office-y. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. I love these folks. That's why I do what I do. But they, they pick um, they, they pick these individuals, and we train those individuals on how to rec recognize the signs and triggers. That way, if somebody feels like they're going to relapse, I want to catch them before they do. But in the off chance, or oftentimes they do relapse, I don't want to let them go. I want to know where they are. I want to know how to go get them and bring them right back because – they might kill themselves. Oftentimes they do. That's why we're doing this. People are in morgues. And as a medic in the army, I saw that often, too often, you know, it was my ER. Yeah. Right. And I watched these people dying in front of me. Right. And it was my responsibility to go to the, <clears throat> to, yeah, brother, to go, to go to the waiting room and see the look in these people's faces. Right. The look of hope. We talk about hope. They're hoping that the noise that they were hearing f three minutes ago has stopped and it was for a good reason. Yeah. And then watch that reaction. And I always watched like the moth to the flame. I always watched as the family members are told and I knew it Oh, right there because their knees buckle. Right. Yeah. And no, that's no bueno, man. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why Terry is such an awesome medical director because he's lived this life and you're not going to get anything over on him. He is a bona fide bad, you know what, really. <laughs> right. yep. um, and so 
you know, I, what was the question? <laughs> I love that. And that actually, that it's perfect. You've transitioned us beautifully into coming up part two. Join us for part two. We're going to hear from Terry Poole. Tony We're also going to take Tony said, Poole. Yeah. Sorry, Terry Sellers is our, yeah. wow, I'm on one today. Huh. Also, you brought up a good point though, Tony. You experienced in the ER a lot of death and a lot of tragedy. And now you're doing something different today about it. For those of you that have family members that were our first responders, just like, again, this is 9-11 tribute, give them a call, reach out to them, mm. show them some love, let them know that you appreciate them. I don't think we do enough of that these days. And I'm not exactly. trying to get on a soapbox, but of all other days, September 11th is a great day to do that. So thank you guys again so much. Be sure to pick up part two of this where we journey into Tony's life in recovery, the things he's up to today. Thank you. Good to be here. We're glad to have you. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after the short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. And welcome back. We are in part two of episode 009, We Do Recover. Today, we are bringing you a special 9-11 tribute. We have our featured guest here. Tony Poole, he is a Navy vet, an Army vet, and today he's a proud owner of Beacon Recovery. Before we get into his rock bottom, which he shared in part one, his life in recovery today, and things he's up to, a little bit about Beacon Recovery, we're going we're gonna to take a caller. Terry, do you have a question for, for our featured guest, though? Uh, well... First of all, I wanted to sit, point out, I have the worst internet connection that I've ever had, and I'm <laughs> oh cutting gosh. out a lot, and I'm hearing about half of what you guys are saying, so I apologize to the oh, studio audience. Gotta love this guy. Uh, is, like, literally, I hear about half of what you guys are saying, so I, I apologize for that. No, I do not have a question for Tony, but yes, I do, but I want to save it until after the question from the caller. Okay. We appreciate yeah. the the minute to minute updates, Doctor Sellers, and and thank you for <laughs> so, joining us. I know that you are a busy doctor, right? Yeah. You're out making your rounds. You can't be here in studio every week. We love you. We appreciate you being on, buddy. All right, let's get that call. Thanks. Hi, my name's Isaac. I'm calling from Cottonwood Heights. I'm a veteran of the Iraq, uh, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq. I served in the Airborne 101st. Um, I was a specialist with the Recon Division. I have a question for Dr. Stellars. I've noticed that it seems like a lot of veterans suffer from addiction. Do you have any idea what this would be, the, why this would be the case? I'd also like to follow up with a second question. I've heard a little bit about people using things like ketamine and MDA for the treatment of depression and PTSD in veterans. Do you have any experience with that, and what do you think of these forms of treatment? Again, thanks. All right. All right. Well, let me uh, see if I can answer that question. I cut out a bunch of questions, so I didn't hear it all very well. But if I, I'm going to reiterate what I think I heard. He asked, first of all, that, or 
noted, first of all, that there seems to be a lot of addiction amongst vets, and why would that be? So, hey, Terry, uh, you're, the answer to that question to me is really quite simple. There's a number of people. Terry, you're, you hear me? you're cutting out, buddy. We'll figure yeah. out the uh, the internet connection. And uh, Tony Poole, you're up to bat. <laughs> you are the owner of Beacon Recovery. The pressure. And unfortunately, uh, Dr. Sellers isn't able to answer that question. He, we've got a poor connection. So yeah. let's go ahead and just keep trucking forward. Okay. Have you had some experience? And I get, first of all, Isaac, thank you for calling in that question. I love when people reach out. If you guys have a question or a comment, let's get you played on the air. That's 801-410-0676. Tony, what's your take on that? Well, the question I think was, you know, as far as suicide's concerned with, uh, with veterans and why, you know, and I think the last count, there's 22 of us a day. Oh, wow. We're offing ourselves at the rate of 22 a day. 22 <clears throat> veterans per day are killing themselves every day. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being a, a veteran of both, like you've mentioned, the Navy and the Army, I, um, uh, you know, different services, different sets of challenges. Um, I can relate um, because there's many times in the Navy that I thought about it myself, mm. many times in the Army. Um, that I thought about it because you're under a tremendous amount of pressure. There's so much going on. Um, um, and you know, I can remember in the emergency, I mean, there's just so much there, there's, I, I'm not going to go into the hard details, but there's a lot of pressure, um, pressure to do your job, uh, pressure to be accepted, but you know, um, it's, it's, it's just life. Right? Yeah. So, you know, being in the, you know, we know that there's 22 veterans a day, um, but there's, there's, there's people all over, um, not just people that are in the military that are, I mean, we talked about the first responders. Yeah. Come on, you know? Um, and so, you know, um, it's how we cope with our choices and that's what this is all about. And that's why, you know, Terry does what Terry does. That's why I do what I do, you know, is to come up with different solutions. Everybody thinks that when you look at the drug addiction world, you know, that alcohol and drugs, that, they're the, that, that, that that's the problem. Right. That's actually not true. Alcohol and drugs are the solution. And that's the problem. In the addict's mind. Yes. I, let me make sure I'm tracking what you're yeah. saying. In the addict's mind, they are dealing with mental health issues such as depression, such as PTSD, anxiety. such as anxiety, yeah. suicidal thoughts. Yep. And you're saying that in their mind, they escape through that's, substance abuse. That's the solution. Yeah. Heavy. I've never heard somebody explain it like that. Thank you. That is the solution. But that's also the problem. But that's the problem. The problem is that that's the solution. <laughs> right. Right. And so what we do is we come up with ways um, through, um, you know, what we do to give them a different solution. And for me, that solution is none other than prayer. Okay. It. Your personal experience. That's my, per yeah, it, it's every time I've had a problem, you know, whatever that problem and no big or too small is the problem. It's prayer. Yeah. Right. Um, Let me just stop you real quick. Okay. Listeners, we are going to get that question. Isaac, I want to do you justice by getting your question answered. Next week, we will replay that question and we will have Dr. Sellers address it because you brought up some alternative routes to to that, such as PTS, you know, uh, such as what was it? Ketamine and ketamine. Oh, by the way, I've done ketamine as far as a treatment for, yeah. my, for my PTSD. Hey, can you guys hear me at all? Oh, you're back. Much better. Yeah, but not on 
not on video. Somehow they, you guys called me back and it went to my phone rather than my computer. So I'm going to be on beautiful, my beautiful. phone, which means you'll hear me, but you won't see me. Which That's is good. We don't want to see you, Terry. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to okay. see me. Okay. So, uh, Terry, <laughs> Isaac asked a great question. And yes, you only you, I was going to save it because I believe where you're a medical expert, I would only want you to answer the alternative well, treatment that he's talking about. Go ahead. Take it away. Yeah. So first of all, I want to point out the first part of the question, which is why is it that so many vets have addiction issues? There's a lot of the leading experts in the addiction medicine field who believe we're not really, and this goes to P Tony's point as well, we're not really treating addiction because this, the, the alcohol and the drugs aren't really the problem, they're the solution. Mm. We're treating trauma. We're treating yeah. uh, chronic stress. We're treating, and when we talk about chronic stress, we're talking about some pretty severe stressors, childhood sexual trauma. We're talking about watching your buddy die next to you in Vietnam or thinking that you're going to step on a landmine and die. Yeah. Uh, in Afghanistan or, you know, those are the kinds of traumas that we're treating. And so I've gotten a lot of flack this week actually online about uh, being an addiction medicine doctor because all you have to do is send people to AA. Well, that's not what we're doing. We're treating the trauma and the mental health issues as much as we are treating the addiction. So I like the, Tony's point. It's not the it's not that the drugs and alcohol are the problem. They're the solution to the chronic stress that people are having these days. Secondly, I want to talk about the ketamine and the um, MDMA that he mentioned. And Tony can speak to this because he's yeah. had ketamine. But okay. uh, I've I've done some ketamine treatments on patients and have had results like better than I thought they were going to be for sure. And I've always had this uh, a little bit of a prejudice against using addictive medications to treat addiction. Bingo. Yeah. But again, if you rephrase it, maybe we're not we're not treating addiction with ketamine. We're treating PTSD with ketamine. And so um, I have point. not Good used point. MDMA or I mean, I haven't used it in patients or in my personal life. Um but so I don't have any real experience with that, but I know some people are getting results with it, and I have had pretty good results, like really good results with ketamine. Well, so I like those. I like the direction those two things are going. And Terry, I, you know, I, I told you, you know, there's different ways to get the ketamine, and I'm actually because I suffer from severe PTSD. Right. And um, right. my gosh, ketamine, <laughs> it's it's a hallucinogenic. And like Terry said, I wasn't too keen on it, but I I was I was a toying with bringing it into my into my facility and using it with my patients. So if I'm gonna you know want my patients to go through it, I'm gonna go through it myself, and I did. And it's helped. Oh my gosh, a I, therapeutic I, dose uh, has helped. Well, wait, let me let me interrupt Tony for a second because Tony told me a story once that he had slept with a I don't remember the kind of gun it was a pistol of oh. some sort but a pistol <laughs> under his pillow every night for some long period of time and then after ketamine didn't have to do that is that do i remember that story correctly yeah we were, we were just real quick let me explain we were laughing because we weren't quite sure where you were going to go with that terry it's not something to laugh about sleeping with a gun that's a no, serious issue right Okay. But you looked at me and I looked at you and I'm like, what's he talking Where's about? Where's he going to go? Where's he going with this one? Tony slept with. 
Yeah, I just wanted to. So let's get back on track. Yeah. Rephrase the question I'll one more time, Terry. Story later. <laughs> <laughs> Please rephrase the question one more time. Yeah. Yeah. So, not a question, just an observation of. Well, is my <clears throat> is my memory of this story correct that you slept with a, a pistol? loaded pistol underneath your pillow every night for a long period of time well i still do actually mm, okay. i i and there's a shotgun next to my bed that's also loaded i mean there's no point in having a weapon if it's not gonna be loaded i mean but you know uh, I, I, these are how, ptsd responses right this isn't because you want to blow somebody away just no, for the heck of it, no 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 or you love no, no. shooting guns this is a ptsd thing right yeah this is this is nothing i don't want to i don't want to shoot anybody right i don't i mean my life is about saving lives not about taking lives but it's um uh the struggle with ptsd is real, is real. and the yeah. alternative treatments that you guys are talking about has helped you uh, yeah um uh, ketamine i i must say i didn't i mean there, terry does it mostly i think if i'm if i'm not mistaken terry you do it mostly uh with naso is that correct correct yeah i did the injections and there's different ways you can do the injections uh, you can do it intravenously or you can do it im which is a, a shot i decided to go full board and go with the shot didn't enjoy what i was experiencing when i was experiencing it under the influence but the next day i was a different person and i just want to clarify real quick there, there, there's a whole pharmaceutical industry of anti-depression <clears throat> medications. Yeah. And for people that are struggling with serious PTSD, we are in no way condoning the use of ketamine on a recreational level. You or, bring up a good point. Right? Like, yeah. please, when you're listening to this, realize these are seriously Very. severe patients with PTSD. Absolutely. And we're talking about yeah. extreme treatment yes. plans or alternative that you would normally do just to clarify well when i and terry can speak to this when i did research on the ketamine ketamine is often and more oftentimes used when everything else didn't work fails yes yeah, right. is that right terry is that your understanding as well yeah sure yeah, yeah. So. what about the mdma terry what have, what re research or experience do you have where that's helped people sure. with extreme ptsd so i have not used mdma in a treatment form uh with any patients of mine, so I have no personal experience with it. Uh, there are a few studies out there uh, on its use in treatment, and it does seem to be showing promise, but the, the research is relatively preliminary right now. Like, you, there's no conclusions yet. You know, we don't make those kind of decisions after one or two or three small studies, and that's kind of what's out there is a few small studies. Awesome. But it's showing promise. It's showing promise. Yeah. Okay yeah hey listen it's awesome to have dr sellers on here he's our medical expert please keep in mind again we're not condoning anything we're talking about some alternative routes that we're looking into we have tony pool here who has helped i love that you brought up in part one hmm. prayer ah so you got confronted just a recap yeah you're coming to work working in the er dealing with people's lives and your alcoholism had gotten the best of you. And you had a coworker pull you aside and kindly and caringly tell, tell you, knock it off or I'm going to turn you in. Right? So no two, just like no two journeys are the same. Yours came from where? Take us into your recovery. Well, you know, you're exactly right. No two journey and no two snowflakes are the same. We are all different. 
right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, we are. We are just as unique as we can possibly be. Uh, and my road, uh, you know, uh, to recovery, um, I didn't go to a facility. Um, I went to my knees, mm. right? And yeah. um, I, um, I, you know, I, I went to my knees in earnest prayer, and I asked, um, um, not out of maybe, maybe out of desperation, because I knew that where I was going was six feet under. Yeah, I was going to be looking up at the roots instead of down at the flowers, and so. I started praying and it wasn't, uh, I, I want to make sure everybody understands, you know, oftentimes everybody thinks, well, this addiction world that we're in, it's going it, to, we're going to get it fixed overnight because we checked into a treatment facility. Um, no, it doesn't work that way. You didn't get this way overnight. It's going to take some time. Great point. Right. And we need to be aware of that. This is going to take some time and we got to roll up our sleeves. It's going to take some elbow grease, but it's worth the effort because we are children of our father in heaven. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing I had to recognize that I did recognize is that I could hit my knees or I could actually, I could offer a prayer while I was taking a shower while I'm driving down the road. It's just a conversation, right? Think of it like this. I mean, if you have children and one of those children stops talking to you, you're going to be sick, right? Absolutely. When we stop talking to our maker, our father in heaven, he is not, he is, he's sick. He wants to hear from us because he wants us to come to him and he wants us to ask for guidance and direction and clarity. And that's what I did. But it took time because I was stuck in my ego. Yeah. Right. I was stuck in me. I was stuck in the world. Um, and sometimes I still am, but when I do get to that point, I can hit my knees and he's always there to hear me. I may have left him, but he never left me. I love that. Look, I, I, I personally believe I am in some circles, right? I go to some different groups and I think a lot of times, whether we consciously do or unconsciously do it, we go through step one and step two pretty fast. My story is similar to yours. You hit step three, turn your will and your life over to God as you understand him. And I can appreciate that when I mentor people or I sponsor people in recovery, I tell them, especially the ones that struggle with the, the God com, you know, God complex or or whatnot, higher power. I say to them, Maybe I have a little bit of an advantage because my dad passed away. So when I speak to my higher power, when I speak to God, right, I'm going to give him the respect he deserves. I call him God today. I, it's just like I'm having a conversation with my dad. That's right. I don't have to do anything particularly special. There's humble ways of doing it, but there's also times where maybe I'm in frustration and I look up and go, really? Come on. How many times have we done that? Yeah. And those are, those are prayers too, right? I'm communicating with my higher power. I'm communicating with God as I understand him. Well, he's got a sense of humor. Yeah, absolutely. he does. Absolutely. He, he wants let, us to laugh. Let me point out a slightly different point of view on that, I think. For for uh, my friends who struggle with God as a higher power, if you look at, and now we're talking about some 12-step things, right? But yes, if you look at the wording of the 12 steps, they were worded very carefully on purpose. It does not say highest power, mm. and it does not say God. What the what those steps are asking you to acknowledge is that there is somewhere, someone or something that knows more about addiction and recovery than you do. Yes. You're not the highest power. Yeah. So it's a little piece of humility in uh, just admitting, listen, uh, I, I know how I got myself here and therefore I'm not going to be able to get myself out of here because I'm the brain that got me here. Maybe somebody somewhere else know something about this that I don't know. 
And so some people use a home group and some people use what you can't use is a coffee cup because it doesn't know anything about addiction or recovery. But you can use another human being, a sponsor. You can use yeah. you can use your definition of God. It just has to be something that knows more about it than you do. That's exactly right. And, you know, we, we oftentimes, for me, I did it my way for a long time. Yeah. It wasn't until I started doing it his way that things changed. And let's talk about that. I love that. You told us about the rock bottom. You <clears throat> contemplated, you realized you needed help. Yeah. You met, you got in conscious contact with your higher power, God. Yeah. What did your, what did, what did Tony Poole's recovery look like? In other words, how did you transition from take us through your working in the ER for the army? You retired. I know that. And nowadays you're the owner of beacon recovery yeah tell us about that well it's um for me the the, the greatest act uh, of love is service yeah it's service is service and so you know i i, I didn't retire uh, regularly I'm, I'm retired medically okay right? i'm gonna get into all that but part of that is ptsd mm -hmm. um which is very real and um so i started uh, you know thinking well, what am i going to do with my life Right. What am I going to do? Um, you know, to, to go take a sales job someplace or, yeah, but there's not, there's no, there's no service in that. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do? Well, let's, let's take a look at uh, drug and alcohol addiction. I was raised by an alcoholic. How different my life might've been if, um, if my dad got to terms with his, with his addictions. And so that's what brought me to Beacon Recovery. Um, you know, and, um, it's about service. It's about, uh, taking these people, uh, and, and, and watching how they come in and then looking at, at, at the progression and the light in their eyes. And that's it. It's a light. We all have a light. All of us do, whether you believe it or not. And I know you I can, and if somebody's sitting or listening, thinking, well, there's no light in me, I can prove to you right now as you're listening to me that there is, and I can tell you you're breathing, uh, you're breathing and you're blinking. Yep. So if you're breathing and you're blinking, there's light inside of you. And so our goal is to find that light, fan that flame and have it burning bright, right? That's it. Um, and it's, the light is not going to burn while you're dousing it with alcohol and drugs. It's not, yeah, you're just going to put it out. You're, well, you're never going to put it out unless you, well, that's the whole thing. You're going to, yeah, if you put it out, it. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you put it out, you're in the morgue and that's what we're, that's what we're, you know, uh, trying to prevent yeah. 22 a day. Yeah. 22. 22 a day. And that's just the veterans. That's right. right. But what about, I mean, the, our morgues are full of people daily that are trying to kill themselves. You know what? I'll do two balloons today. I heard that recently. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I'm going to kill myself because I, I'm done. What a waste. What a waste for that human being that could have done so much more and shared his story. Yeah. And just for the listeners, he off air uh, Tony and I were talking about my journey into recovery and, and he is referring to me September or I'm, I'm sorry. I got September 11th stuck in my brain. Uh, July 3rd, 2014. I, I had a suicide attempt. Think about through it. Through overdose. Yeah. And here you are doing what you can to help it. I think that's beautiful. Thank right? you. Yeah. And so if there's anybody out there thinking, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to check out, you know what, you could be doing a podcast just like Jared is right now helping save other people's lives. And that's what it's all about. We're here to assist each other on this journey we call life. Right? Absolutely. So if you, if you could have told me on that day, what my life would look like six years later, you'd have laughed, I would have, I would have laughed you out of the room. That's right. And yet here you are. 
Yeah. It's a beautiful. Last, last year, we had 70,000 overdose deaths in the United States. Yeah. That's, that's if you're counting, the, if you talk about vets, 22 a day, if you talk about all United States citizens, you're talking about 200 something a day. That's, yeah. and if we do things differently, right, we can make a difference. Yeah. We can. So. That's, uh, you know, on that, I know we're, we're getting short on time. I just want to put a shout out to uh, Beacon Recovery. If anybody's yeah. interested in Northern Utah, you know, at uh, taking a look at a facility that's doing things a little differently, you can go to Beacon Recovery. That's B-E-E-C-O-N. I tied honeybees with the beacon of light of Jesus Christ. I love it. Um, and because bees represent uh, working as a team which is what they do tirelessly for a product called honey. We can work as a team, as human beings, as a, for a product called joy. And so, uh, you know, it's beaconrecovery.net is my website. Um, am I allowed to give them, do I can, Terry, can I get my phone number? Yeah, I don't know. Give me your phone number. Give my, my phone number. <laughs> I've never done a podcast before, so I don't know. Let's um, get it, buddy. Uh, my, my, Where my, can they reach you at? My personal cell phone is 385-319-319. 8699. If I don't answer, it's probably because I'm doing a podcast or something, but I will certainly get back to you. Um, Give it to him one more time. That's uh, what's well, beaconrecovery.net. That's B E E C O N recovery.net. My number is 385-319-8699. Listen, there's something to be said about somebody that can come on, deliver their story in a palatable way and be a great influence and bring a lot of hope to people. Thank you so much. We, we really appreciate you coming on, Tony. You're a giant of a man, buddy. I'm grateful. Heart of gold. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Tony. I'm really grateful. grateful for that. Attitude of gratitude. I'm I'm humbled to be here. Really. Thank you. Coming all the way down to, to sunny St. George from Logan or Brigham City? I live in Logan. But in I, Logan. Yeah. So I, I when Terry told me, I, I went from Brigham City back home, packed a bag, and then drove back from Logan. So, yeah. We're so blessed to have had you on this podcast yeah. for episode 009. Thank you guys again. Listen, if you're listening to this and you know somebody that needs some help, shoot them, shoot them some numbers, right? Let's get them into some, some treatment. Join us next week for episode 01010, where we recap 0 through 9. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.